Hello and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post on. What up? Friend, it is a good time to be seen and see. I'm happy that you are okay. I'm yeah. um, I'm glad that you can see I'm uh, unharmed, not taken here alive and in the flesh. Um, and and uh, it's a hard time to be saying that these days. People are not able to say that like everybody else. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine and well. Um, again, man, I always say this. I even say this when we... Talk about what the things we think before. I'm just happy to be happy to be here, man. We we lost a friend of ours that we went to school with. Yes, sir. And as we get older, we it seems like that's you know that's going to happen. That's just part yeah, of but life. It, it's sad because we're not old, man. You know, like, you know, we're like, not. That's, yeah, this we're is not, not a yeah, yeah. it's not a conversation I like having because yeah. it it's shocking. Like when you told sure. me that that yeah, yeah. you know a friend of ours, this person. Super cool person, always a uh, super chill person. Um, I think was maybe, you know, apropos kind of of what we're going to be talking about today. I think this person was my first freak dance. You know, like you guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. me coming out with you guys when we were like 13 years old, you finally got me to come out and yeah. we went to middle school with this person and they just threw me like a friendly dance. Like it just was like a cultural fun, didn't mean anything, just having a good time type of dance. This person was always a fun time, funny um and that caught me off guard bro we're in our 30s we're not 70 yeah man um you know she was somebody i could say that was like one of the one of my you know first best friends i had in middle school and she was like helping we helping me get the girls and it's like we used to talk on the phone and a1 like, wingman oh for sure. a1 oh, wingman legendary we, wingman this person we used to talk on the phone do three-way co- i mean like just to think about it, how we were young and it was so much fun. And then it's like, now we're all grown up and it's like, we grow up our own lives and you kind of lose touch with those certain people. For sure. You know, as time go on, and it's, it's just sad when you, when you wake up to see some bad news like that. And those are the people that, you know, if you ever get an opportunity to run into, if you ever, uh, you know, lucky enough to stumble upon them and everything, whatever, take that moment in. If yeah, that person, sure. you know, if, if this person was a person, you know, cause people lose touch. That's, that's life. That's how yeah. life goes. But I remember one time we were out. Uh, I had come out with you and your lady, and we went to a, a bar. And right behind me was a dude I went to high school with. Yeah. And you know I wasn't expecting to see him, but we really just took a moment for the embrace to be like, you know, he was there with his, with his lady, and she was pregnant, and it just was like, hey man, you congratulations, like you and on life, you know, not yeah. just the pregnancy. Like, congr- I'm I'm happy to see you in the world. Yeah. Because uh, you know we can also speak to times where I've I've come across people that I have good memories with from 12 and I see them at 28 and they're not doing so good. Yeah. Right. And that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if, you know, 
If anybody like this person that we're talking about, if, 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 if this conversation is reminding you of people like this, send them a Facebook message, man. Just like a what's up. You don't got to rekindle anything, but if you got fond memories with somebody, just go ahead and check in on them if you can. Just give them a shout out, what's up, whatever, because life is crazy, man. I, that was, sure. you know, that was not news I was expecting. Um, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to say any names or anything like yeah, that because I don't know, right. you know, but, you know, obviously, you know, our prayers and everything are going to this person. Obviously, we're having a conversation amongst each other while on microphone but you know the, the prayers are going up for sure because that one was a rough one but i think people can relate to this conversation about right. you know because because like you said life life is crazy we're not old by any means at all we're very young people so this was a shocking one and i'm sure a lot of people have had moments like this in their life where it's, you know what what do you mean this person they're not alive anymore right you know so you know it's, it's, it's always a rough day but we'd be remiss to not talk about though is a not so good time that's been taking place over the last like seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this Carly Russell story, friend. I don't know how much you've been keeping up. Now I have to, I have to be honest with you. I don't know. I know the headline of this. I don't know the. What story. do you su- summarize? What you know to be okay, what happened? What I okay. Carly Russell, go. Carly Russell was this lady that saw a stroller on the side of the highway. Got a out, baby, checked, a baby, just a baby. baby. Okay, just a, a baby. baby, and uh. Uh, somebody walked up to her and like kidnapped her in the woods off the side of the road, off the side of the road and disappeared. Uh, and then she ends up walking back home from her supposed kidnapper. And it all, this all stemmed from some guy she was trying to get attention from. That's all I know. Okay. That is it. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's all I know. I mean, that's accurate enough, you know, like, uh, so basically I don't, I don't care enough to go into the details because the details appear to be fraudulent. You know, the, the police have not come out and outright said that Carly Russell was lying, but it's the general consensus is the story was kind of fabricated. Okay. So I'm going to give you my headline version of events that kind of match up with yours as well. All right. So like seven to 10 days ago in Alabama, I believe Birmingham, I'm not sure. Don't hold me to it, but let's just say Alabama in the state of Alabama a woman was driving down the side of the highway. She saw a toddler walking down the side of the road in like a pamper. She calls the police to say, hey, like there's a baby on the side of the highway. I don't know who, whose baby this is, but I'm following the baby because I'm concerned. That woman's car is then found with the hazard lights on, her phone's on the ground, and she's gone. So when she goes missing, people go, Wait, so she had a phone call to the police about a missing baby. Is somebody using a baby to lure people out to help the baby and then they kidnap them? So now the whole country's in a panic because that's a headline grabbing news story, right? So because, you know, I did interviews with reporters and shit about my thoughts on Gabby Petito, friend. If you remember that whole thing about missing white women syndrome and everything like that. Now, when I heard this story, it sounded crazy to me. Not crazy, like unbelievable, but just crazy in the sense that that's extreme that somebody's using a baby as a, that's like something from Criminal Minds. Mm -hmm. So it's an extreme ploy to hear about, right? So I have, my my, my ears perked up. It's the same thing with the Jesse Smollett thing, right? When you you heard that story, just something, you didn't want to come out and say you didn't believe him, but something was like, what? He was getting subway at four o'clock in the morning and... All these guys in the middle of Chicago had on MAGA hat. Like everything, just, it all just felt a little off. 
Okay. Right. So um, she's gone. Everybody's panicking. The the internet is doing what we what we preach about on this podcast. This is a black woman. She's missing, and she's getting the resources. Yeah. People are sharing her story, retweeting Facebook, uh, sharing Facebook posts. People are boots on the ground. Uh, TikToks are being made. People are trying to find Carly. And I thought that was a beautiful thing because of the things we talk about on this podcast. So I didn't want to give my thoughts. I said, hey, man, listen, I just hope she comes home. I don't know what's going on, but I hope she comes home safe, right? Then, the, uh, this past weekend, she comes back, and all the news that we get is that the kidnappers dropped her off at her house. So then you're like, what? Yeah. The kidnappers took her. The, ki- the kidnappers who we now have believed for days are this evil have a kid as some kind of slave or, or a henchman. They have a baby henchman, and then they just had a change of heart and drop this woman back off at her house with money in her sock. And to do that without there being, like, some sort of demand or ransom, it's, it's kind of, it's like, it's, that's weird. With it out, without it being any kind of demand or ransom, you immediately think this woman's life is in imminent danger. I mean, for like, them, I mean, for kidnappers to bring her back home is what I'm Oh yeah, yeah. No, like yeah, because basically you're just saying, oh, they just we just changed their mind. Like, yeah, this shit, this shit got too out of hand. I didn't know yeah, she was yeah. going to be on TikToks and stuff like that. So you just can have her back. Yeah. Also, I did want to ask you a question. So when you when we talk about or when we come over here, not you know, and talk about you know black females or whatever males, just you know black people just in general not getting mm-hmm. the media attention that when we go missing or something you know bad happens to us. Now, do we sound not us? I'm not us in particular, but I mean, like, just in general as black people, do we sound hypocritical to be like, well, I'm, well, I meant to say these events make us sound hypocritical when we go, hey, we not, we not getting this, and then like when we do, and it's like, and it's, it turns up to be a situation like this, and go look, see when we do, when we, you know what I mean? But this is the that's my this was my concern, and while I'm gonna disagree with you, I also agree with you. I'm gonna okay. disagree with you in the sense that this Carly Russell story is an exception. When black women and black boys, black girls and black boys go missing at a high rate every day, at a higher rate than most other minority groups or people and uh, races in general in this country. Yeah. Black women and boys go missing at an extremely high rate. I'm going to mention some names that people should put in their memory bank, start sharing flyers and stuff once we finish this conversation. But I also agree with you that mainstream America, I'm concerned that they hear the Carly Russell story they were galvanized by this story. They got the attention. They hit. They hit retweet. They hit share. They, um, you know, donated money. They did all these things, and then they find that it's fake, and it turns them off whenever they see a black girl missing flyer. I think that that's wrong, but my concern is that it is going to happen because it's like it's. But it's, this is not like a. It shouldn't be like. It shouldn't be like. Well, this one person went missing, and now. Everything that we say is invalidated. Like, that shouldn't be what happens, but I'm concerned that you are right. Yeah, because that's what's going to happen on, like you say, mainstream media. But it's like when you give ammo to that type of, that type of debate or that type of rebuttal to whatever situation that's going on. You're saying you're trying to, basically, you're saying like the argument about you're trying to make everything about race. Um, yeah. Um, because all, all, all you need is one situ- a case to be like, of course. Look, this happened. I'm a, I'm a person who said, listen, I. Hope that we find Gabby Petito. While all that was happening, I hope that we find Gabby Petito. But the the I, the fact that she disappeared in a city in a state where indigenous women have gone missing at such a high rate, and she is now 
the biggest story in America is kind of offensive. Now, somebody could take my words that I said, show me this Carly Russell story and go, hey, man, fuck you, right? Like, this is not about race. You tried to make Gabby Petito about race and women, women, we should just care about women going missing in general. And now the thing that you're talking about happening, she was lying. So all the stuff you're talking about, she got all the attention too, just like Gabby Petito did. And she was a liar. So fuck you. Shut up, Alvin. Like that, somebody could do that to me. Yeah. They would be wrong because I could show them hundreds and hundreds of missing women flyers of, you know, that don't get the same resources of all varying types of uh, color and creeds. I'm not saying that it's all only, I'm not saying only black women don't get the resources. I'm saying a lot of women don't get the resources, but it, the, the disparity skews skin color. That's my that's my only point. All kind of women don't get resources, but the disparity skews person of color because people, the everyday average American person, you know, Johnny and Susie, you know, let's just white people. Let's just be let's just be, let's just be real. I think that they are more reticent to click share on a missing white face than a missing brown face. That is you could look up statistics that back what I'm saying. But. They did that in this case because it was headline grabbing and the baby was the accomplice and tricked her into the woods. And mm-hmm. there was an orange haired man that came out of the it's, it's, it's sensational. But it was a lie. So I'm afraid of the damage that this will do. I really am. You know, I, I think that we should continue to always hit share on missing and spread awareness. But I'm concerned that the average everyday American person who this story grabbed when they usually don't, when they usually see a black or brown face and they go, oh, that's sad. Anyway, what's going on with, uh, you know, the Nelk boys or whatever? Andrew Tate. I don't know what people are watching on the internet, but the, the swipes that they usually make past a face like Carly Summers, I mean, Carly Russell, they didn't. They stopped and they shared it. Mm-hmm. And now we've all been had. We've been duped. And I'm concerned what that will do to people's energy towards sharing a poster or a flyer of a missing black girl or black boy. It makes everybody hesitant. That's for damn sure. For sure. Where you go, eh, well, we don't know. We don't know if it's true. I mean, it's the same thing. I'm sure there are people, you know, who heard Jesse Smollett's story, believed it, condemned uh, MAGA hats or whatever, and then heard it was a lie. And now if you hear about a race, a racially motivated attack, they might be quick. They might hesitate and go, well, I don't know. Sometimes they're fake. I don't know if I want to get up in arms about this one because it might not have happened. And that's damaging. Yeah. And we'll never know, I don't think, what Carly Russell's intentions were. Um, I've been hearing stories about, like you said, uh, she wanted to get the attention of a boyfriend and this thing just got bigger than she expected it to get. I heard that she was kind of, she had got fired from her job or stole from her job and life was just, she had, she had hit, hit the limit of, you know, what she could have taken in her life and she wanted to just go away. Um, I've heard all kinds of things. I don't know if we'll ever know really, really what her intentions were, but I don't think she expected to be a national headline news story. I mean, like, but why create a whole story to be like, to have a baby involved and to pull over the side of the highway? I'm not, I'm not this is rhetorical, obviously. But right, I mean, right, of course. You know, why go through all that just to, I mean, I don't know what people go through, so I can't really speak on that too much, but I'm just saying, why right. go through that and and expect it not to be, you know, a big deal. Well, I think that speaks to the value she saw in herself. You know, I think that speaks to like, who really is going to care? I, obviously I need to do something to make people think I got to leave breadcrumbs so that people assume I'm just gone. Um, 
I don't know why the I don't know why there was a baby walking down the side of the road. I don't know any why she chose what she chose. They also showed her search history in the days leading up to it of her looking up Taken, yeah. the movie Taken, the plot of it, and like how can you take money out of an ATM without being seen? A bunch of weird um, Google searches. Yeah, she looked up a train station that was nearby. People think she walked, she parked her car, and then walked through the woods, and then went to the train station, and and then when she found out when this shit got big, she came back. That's kind of the general consensus. But I don't think we'll ever fully know. Now, my concern going forward, I'd like to hear this from you, Frank, because I had conversations about people with this about people online, is mm-hmm. that do you feel like if you contribute to a cause, you are owed an explanation? Or do you feel like if you do something, it should be out of the kindness of your heart and you shouldn't... Like, if let's say you, you donated to Carly Russell's family, right? Mm-hmm. And then you found that it's a hoax. One, this is a two-part question. A, do you, like, demand your money back? And B, uh, if... Do you feel like you deserve to know the story immediately, even if it's an ongoing investigation? I had this a similar conversation with my older brother about uh, it was a story about um, maybe familiar with it was it was like Rick Ross and gunplay that whole situation, right? Yes, so, he got he got Rick Ross a chain. Yeah, he but like, his daughter's sick, right? Yeah, he, he was sick, and he his wife did a GoFundMe, and people donated to help his 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 daughter that was sick. But yes. He had money to buy Rick Ross a chain, who was a, a multimillionaire, and yes, it was like, doesn't need a cha- doesn't doesn't need a doesn't chain, need a like, chain. If you, the money that we they were saying that people were saying that you know, well, the money you used to buy the watch came from you know the people that people donated, and it was like people want an explanation, people want their money back. Yes, and I kind of understand that, but I think if I was to donate something to a cause to help out, and something happens unexpectedly like this, I'll go. You know, an explanation fine. I think I'll, I think I'll be satisfied with that. But to be like, I want my thirty dollars back or something, whatever. <laughs> it's like I'm just, I don't have the person have the energy to do that. And it's like it's with if people going if if I'm willing to donate money, and if if she took the money and like bought a like a yacht or something like that, then I go like, no, you gotta. This is for your lifestyle, and I'm not. I yeah, I'm not fun. I'm, I'm not, not here with, to fund that. I'm not with that. Yeah, but like to help. Something like that was like somebody's health or like, you know, her going missing. I go, I think people that donate deserve an explanation. But like if people want their money back because of financial reasons was like I had. I gave you my last. My last five dollars. I want my money back. But if it's like, you know, I did it out of the kindness of my heart. It's like I'm not. You yeah. Know, I did this. I'll just say I did it to make myself feel better, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a tough spot because yeah. I think the, the, the immediate instinct is to be petty. Like. You lied to me. Give me my fucking money back. Not even on some. I. It was my last. I'm sure a lot of people. That's rough too. Where you know. Yeah. I, I felt like you were in. a am in a rough spot. But I felt like your family was in a rougher spot than me because I thought you were missing. Exactly. You needed but, more than me at the time. Yes, but my point is, we still don't really full the know, know the full story. And to me, it's like okay. So we find out Carly Russell is mentally unwell. Does she deserve grace? In that. You know, because this, like you said, this wasn't the the example you gave a person doing a go GoFundMe for a medical procedure, yeah. and then you find out they're buying jewelry for people. Yes, and you're like, so th- in that in that example you gave, that's a two part fuck you because it's like, so either you have money and bought the watch for your friend with that money, yeah, or worse, you use the money that you group sourced yeah. to buy a something for your friend. Right. Either way, it's like, 
fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> why didn't you use the money that you have to buy watches to help your kid? Exactly. And what I mean by it's the pettiness of it. I'm not. I'm, that's that sounds like mean when I say it that way. But like, that's how I would feel if I donated. Like, right. And when I say explanation, I mean for me, I go like, well, if the money's not being used for the reason I donated for the cause, mm-hmm. then where is going? I right. need to know where is it being. Is it being transferred to a different cause where it's like missing people or kids or something like right. that? I'll go find. Are you donating? Are you exactly. donating? Are you donating the money you've collected to a cause where somebody really is missing, yeah. or is it just, or, or are you just expecting us to go? All right, well, I guess she's not missing now. Let's move on because yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen. No. Also, <laughs> no. also, people are absolutely destroying Carly Russell online, and I am concerned for her mental health. Yeah, but man. you know, she made the bed. Sure. But it's not. I mean, people are going in. Now she's become the joke of the moment. It's the Jesse Smollett thing all over again. Yeah. And this is a woman who, you know, m- faked this or, you know, misled people. And for the reasons that we're starting to hear is that life w- isn't the best for her. And now she's a villain. And now she's a joke and people are making fun of her. And now she can't even exist on social. This is, again, we talk about this while well, cyberbullying and stuff. And people say, just turn your phone off. But these people today... It's it's part of their breath. Like you can't. It's yeah. it's it's not as it's not so easy to say. Well, just don't get on Twitter. Just don't get on Instagram, especially when you know people are talking about you. Yeah, I just it's, I can't I can't get behind. It's hard for me to be like, well, the this person was had it. You know, was going through a rough time. Too. It's like okay, I get it, but it's like there are millions and billions and millions of people that's going through rough times that are, you that know, don't do this. That don't do this. Yeah, so like, and this I, is wild. I mean, yeah, this is I mean, like, like, I, like it, I get it, but it's like I'm, I can't buy it. I just saw I can't buy that. I just can't. Yeah, really objectively going into it, I don't know how much of the story is from her, like machination, like her creating it, or us filling in the blanks. But either way, what it became is so crazy of a story that it's kind of unforgivable. Yeah. Like, like people were really scared, Frank. I don't, I know you weren't really keeping up, but people really were scared. Like, I mean, if I see a kid in trouble, should I not pull over? Like, this yeah. was a week in America. People were genuinely questioning if they should help kids. Yeah. If there was a some kind of crazy serial killer out there who's using a kid as a lure, this was. And then, like I like I said, Carly Russell just comes back home, and people and people are now going, um, is she cooperate? This is when the last shred of um empathy I had was the day she came home I went well we don't really we're, I know we want to know what happened but there's an investigation going on the police might not want to re- release information to the public that yeah. could could tip off this person mm-hmm. so we're not going to get the answers but people were so upset that they were like what do you mean she's not talking to anybody right now like we need to know is there a person out what, there with a kid exactly. what happened w- where is he can you we need to get him off the streets if this is the thing and that's where the entitlement of I'm a person who cared, who shared, who donated, and I need to. I want my answers, cause you are back, and I, I think that. that's great. But yeah. like, why are you back? How are you back? What did you catch? Did you catch the person? Did you kill the person? Is he is he left? Did you kill him in a house and you escaped? Like, what are the answers? And we never got those answers. Yeah. And what we got instead was a a police like uh, conference where they basically said, "Hey, man, this is this smells fishy." Yeah. I mean, you We're can't not just, saying she lied, but this smells very fishy. Yeah, you can't a whole story, a national story, where you go missing, then you just like walk home with like a big gulp and like a hot dog. It's like, yeah, what is like what? Yeah, you come back home, or your parents like go to your go to your room to cry about you, and you're in the bed. Yeah, sleep. You're like, hey guys, what I miss? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, bitch, you've been uh, on the news for like, you've you been a 24 hour news cycle for like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, oh, I just crawled in through the window. I didn't want to wake you guys up in the middle of the night. So I'm back. I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. Everything's my false alarm. Like, you can't false alarm this. You know, how, you know, you might come home late. You come home, your parent, you walk yeah. in the door, your parents are like, I was worried sick. I almost called the police. Like, this is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. The like National Guard knows who you are. Yeah. This guy like, really did. Why call big. the police? Why? Like, start gaslighting us? Why did yeah, you like, like, what? You were missing. <laughs> I just, my car ran out of gas. I left it on the side of the road and my yeah. phone. Was buzzing too I much, so I just a, dropped it on the floor. I took a lap in the woods. I saw, you know, a, a path, a trail, and I just wanted yeah, to Yeah, I went for a, a nice air. walk. Why did the police release my my audio of me saying there was a kid walking down the street? That was between me and the dispatcher. I didn't expect that to be on <laughs> CNN. Yeah. Yeah, Gaslight McGee for sure. It's, um, yeah, man, this was a this was a wild one, and I'm interested to hear people's thoughts. I've had yeah. conversations with people over the last couple of days, but I'm interested to hear people's thoughts on the implications of what this could do to the future of missing black and brown kids, man. Like, I mean, you know, or missing black and brown women, adults. I mean, this is a grown woman. So I, I, I'm concerned about that. I know it shouldn't be the case. I know we should always assume if somebody's being reported missing that they are missing, but I just don't think everybody's going to do that. I think there's going to be some hesitation. The thing about this story and the Jesse Smollett story was, these are, I think these might be the, the few two times where I went like, when you see the the speculation going around and like mm-hmm. the Gavin Petito story was just like there was history of her boyfriend being you know abusive, mm-hmm. that's different than like everybody speculating like well she's talking about a baby everybody picking apart what she was what was happening and I went like I see those stories and I go that's that's too much I don't want to emotionally I don't want to be attached to this in a way so I go I like I just that's why we'll I didn't wait keep to see up. how it yeah I just I just go like I just can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Again, yeah, that. man. Because like you, you got to think about it. If you are a person who fully invested their their self into this and and following it minute by yeah. minute, getting involved, the worst case scenario is we find out that this woman, who out of the kindness of her car, of her heart, pulled over her car to help a child, which I think we all would do. Yeah, right, right. You see a kid walking down the side of the road, and then you find out that this woman was snatched, killed. A- attacked in some kind of way and then left for dead in the woods. And now there's some killer out there with a kid still possibly who's l- using the kid to hurt people. That's a lot to take on emotionally. Yeah. Now think about taking that on emotionally, believing that is true. Yeah. And then you find out she lied to you. Right. Also, I'm, I wouldn't, I will be skeptical from the beginning when I went, when I, when she said that there was a baby on a, you telling me nobody else pulled over for a baby that's on the side of the road walking? Yeah, and there were that's, no other call. There were no other calls. I'm not sure when. I don't. I'm not sure if that was not released until the press conference that the police gave. But there were no other calls. Nobody else reported seeing a baby. So then you start to go like, if you're still giving the benefit of the doubt, you go, well, maybe the killer or the kidnapper pulled up and just like released the baby out of a, a crate right when they saw her specifically. Yeah. And so only she saw the baby. Then when they caught her, they wrangled the baby back up, put it back in the, in the crate, and then drove off. That's why I thought it was a stroller. That's why I thought she saw a stroller. That makes a little bit more sense. Because it's like... Anybody, like a baby just left in the stroller. Or people could just think, like, somebody just threw out a, a stroller. Like, it's nothing... It's not even anything in it. nothing in it. But one, yeah. person, one person decided to pull over and look... Look in the stroller, that, and then that they got seems caught. more believable to me than a yeah. baby walking. No, she said life. there was a baby walk, like a toddler walking down the side That's of the highway. Right. That would have been so many phone calls would have came in. A highway? Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> so many, so many phone calls yes. would have came in about that. 
So, you know, um, Carly Russell, I'm concerned about what this will do. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I really, I want to be wrong. I don't want to, I don't want there to be um, this drop in concern for missing black women. But what I'm going to take a minute to do is just to say some names uh, from an article that, you know, are um, young girls and women who are missing as of today, which is, what's today's date, Fran? 22nd. The 22nd of July. Mm -hmm. We got Janiyah Duffy, who is 15 years old. J-A-N-I-Y-A-D-U-F-F-I-E. Amani Roberson, she's 30 years old. Um, she was last seen in a Mazda SUV. Uh, the alert for her missing for her being missing went out on July 20th. Um, we got Kiawante Joe Sawyer. Her age is unknown. K I A W A N T E Joe J O Sawyer S A W Y S A W Y E R. Um, she is also currently missing. We got. Amaya, A-M-Y-A-H Smith. She's 16 years old. Uh, she went missing on May 22nd in uh, Snellville, Georgia. She's described as 5'7 and 135 pounds. Um, we got Precious Branson, 17 years old. Uh, she went missing in January of this year. Um, she's 5'4, 135 pounds. We got Sierra, C-I-E-R-R-A Chapman. She's between 30 and 31 years old. Uh, she was last seen on December 27th. 2022, um, and from Trotwood, Ohio. And then uh, lastly, we got Danielle Lewis, who's 15 years old. She's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, she was last seen on April 22nd of this year um, at her home in Minnesota. Um, these are people who are actually missing, uh, young black girls and women who need those resources, need their names to be said, um, and hopefully, you know, they can be brought home. Uh, I don't want Carly Russell's false story or whatever we want to call it. I, don't, I guess it's not official yet, but the story that now people don't believe to affect the names of the people I just said. I don't want the resources to not get to them. I don't want their names to be now whispered and skepticism, uh, any of that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, um, I'm, an, I'm an advocate for these resources being dispersed and the uh, energy and the excitement or the urgency for, you know, people missing to be high when no matter what the face looks like. So, yeah, man. Um, wild story. Yeah. Uh, wildest story I've heard in a while for sure. A baby walking down the side of the highway. Craziness. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, shame on you, Carly Russell. I will say that. Shame on you. I will be honest about that. I do. It is disappointing. I think black people collectively were like, come on. Come yeah. on. God damn. She lied. You well, know, here we so, go again. Like, Jesse Smollett's yeah, like, oh, shit, here we go again. You know, that that sucks, but hopefully we can look at this as an isolated incident like we should and move on from it. You know, obviously jokes are funny. I've seen some things I've laughed at. It's been funny, but I feel like jokes are the easiest way to cement something. Um, I was, I had this thought. I don't think I talked to you about it, but I was watching um, uh, this show on FX called Black White. And there were this like a white white couple. Oh, it's a white family and a black family. And the white family dresses uh, dresses in blackface, and the black family dresses in whiteface. Mm, and they I live a, and they live a day in the world as the other race to try to learn. It's just like a social experiment. Yeah. And one thing I found was interesting, and if if, if we've had this conversation before, stop me. But um, uh, white people are incredibly, for the most part, 
unaware of stereotypes, right? Of their of them of themselves. Yeah. Right? Like it's more so, you know, other minorities speaking about the things we notice about white people to ourselves, but they don't have to exist in a world where those stereotypes can affect their day-to-day life. Right. Right? So while white people they know of stereotypes, but those stereotypes, it, as much of a joke as it is, they still believe them to be the reality of the world. You know, so they might make a joke about like, oh man, you know, oh, I was walking down the street and I saw a black dude and uh, so I uh, moved my purse. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking around. <laughs> you mean about other races? I'm, say, I'm, saying white, I'm saying white people. No, and white sti- people know the stereotypes of other races. Yes. Okay, got you. Okay. Very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, of course. But, but, their, but their interactions with those races might be few and far between. So all they know about that race is a stereotype. So okay. even in their trying to uh, relate to them, it's still like, so I made you guys um, chicken. chicken and yeah. melon. And, I, you know, you guys, I knew you guys were coming over for a cookout, so I wanted you guys to feel welcome. I'm being nice. This is me being nice to you. But I only know you through racist stereotypes that are, have been programmed in my mind by the media that I consume. Yeah. But when you tell a white person like, oh, man, like, you know, you know, sometimes when it's raining outside, y'all be smelling like wet dogs. It's yeah. like, oh, my Excuse God. Yeah. Is that what you really think? Yeah. And it's them. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't smell like a wet. It's, everything's personal. Yeah. It's an attack. Where me, I just go, if somebody comes to me, go, I mean, hey, man, it's some music. I know, I know you probably can dance, right? Because black people can dance. I don't go, oh, man, I can't dance. I, I got two left feet. Why, why are you just assuming I can dance? I'm going, I go. That's the stereotype. I know the stereotype. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Let's all laugh and just move on from it. Yeah. But I've noticed a lot that because white people are not affected by stereotypes, like it doesn't, it doesn't affect them societally. Right. If people think I'm a bank robber because of a stereotype, that still affects how my life goes when I walk into a bank. Yeah. You know, but white people is like, if people think you can't season your food and you don't even know that that's the thing, what does it even do? You know what I mean? Like, what is it? It's like if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around to hear it, did it fall? Yeah. So we're going like, I don't know, man. Oh, you're dating a white girl. Did you go over to her house and did, 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 <laughs> was the food? That's me and you talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But uh, uh, white people as a society going, well, you know, I've, I've always heard Mexican people are lazy. That affects how they see, uh, they hire a Mexican person at their, at their, to do something for them, and they might watch them a little more closely because they go, well, you know, you, sometimes you got to stay on top of them because I hear they're lazy. Also, like, it affects how they treat people. Yes. Yeah. Also, if you don't live up to that stereotype, there's a negative impact. So say if you, if I were to go out and play basketball and I was trash, but if somebody uh-huh. picked me first and I'm around a whole bunch of white people and they go like, he's black, obviously he knows how to play basketball. And I go like- First. I picking him first. Yeah. I can't shoot a jump shot for nothing because mm-hmm. I just, and they go like- Oh, come on. <laughs> you're, not even, you're not even really black. I thought you were black. Exactly. Like, then what are you, I don't get, you know, you know what is what even the point for? of you? <laughs> yeah, what, <laughs> what is your use? What is your use? If I can't jump high and dribble a basketball as a black man, I have no use. I like one of my favorite TikTok things is like, you don't look this, you don't look that, you don't look, I've seen it, you don't look like a lesbian, you don't look like this. And then they start doing the most crazy Waving a dildo around, like a, pulling the strap on out. Like, oh, you that. don't look black. And then they cut to dudes like they, they have a headband on and uh, a basketball. And in the other hand, they got a drumstick. And it's like, do I look black now? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, th- there's this, like, yeah. conceived, preconceived notion of what sure, yeah. X, Y, and Z is. Yeah. And it affects, you, it affects them societally, like Asian people, black people, Mexican people. I don't think that those kind of stereotypes affect white people. No. Nah. They're all, like, they're not even really... There's no real implications to the white stereotypes. Yeah. Like they're just are like whatever. Like they don't. If if you, <laughs> bro, if you think that I, uh, 
am a violent person. Like that's a stereotype. Like, oh man, you know, sure. black dudes yeah. are angry and yeah. strong and what these are it causes you to fear me. Right. If I go to a white person's house and the food is not seasoned, I go, Well, I'm not I'm not shocked. Whatever. Yeah, it's like I'll move and on. it doesn't and guess what? They're gonna eat the shit out of that green bean casserole and they're gonna matter. be like, what's this guy's deal? I guess he doesn't <laughs> like uh ambrosia salad. Oh well, more for me. You know, like it's <laughs> it doesn't affect their life. It doesn't it change doesn't, anything about really their life, you know. Yeah. So I just think that's something to think about when we have these conversations about one person affecting the whole group. Yeah, man. I don't want Carly Russell to affect the whole group, but my fear is that she will. And I and it makes me sad because nobody else has to live by those. I mean, other people do, but the people that I'm concerned about making Carly Russell the rule and not the exception, it doesn't happen for them. At least for the foreseeable future. It's, it's, it's going to the be near future. If it's, the next time somebody goes yeah. missing in the next couple weeks it's or gonna months, it's going to be like, is this a, a hoax? Yeah. But when uh, Sherry Papini went missing and it turned out she just wanted to leave her husband and, and date her boyfriend. And then it was all fake. It didn't affect like missing white women. Nobody went, Hmm, is this white woman lying? No, I don't even know who that is. So that's new to me. Exactly. Cause it just came and went. It was yeah. a headline story. People were like, wait, what? She lied. And then we moved on. Cause why? Cause Sherry Papini gets to be Sherry Papini. Nope. I don't think Carly Russell gets to just be Carly Russell. Carly Russell is a black woman. This black woman lied. So do black women lie? Like that's the that's the effect that it has. Jesse Smollett lied. So do black men lie about being racially attacked? He doesn't just get to be he he doesn't just get to be Jesse Smollett. No. We have to answer to Jesse Smollett. Yeah. These two incidents will all be attached to their name forever. Yes. And but it'll be attached to our name. For sure. Yeah. All of our name right. collectively yeah. as black that's people. There that those and those two incidences will be con- connected to us. And our pain and our trauma and our police reports and our phone calls, it will always be this question of, was it real? Was it fake? Are they lying? Is it true? And I don't like that. But, I, you know, I think we've, you know, we've ran this uh, conversation as far as we can. Uh, I would like to take a quick break because I, I, I have a story I'm, ex- I'm excited to get into. This is a pretty um, uh, interesting story, and I'm excited for us to get into it. So let's take a quick break, recollect ourselves, take a, um, you know, a group wusa. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. Mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my mylifeinabook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. 
So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P. At checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right. And we are back. Fran. Yeah. Um, I want to take... Uh, a little moment when I, after I introduce what we're going to be talking about to kind of ask you, what are your memories of this uh, event? Um, what, what is the imagery that comes to mind? All that's kind of want to paint the scene and paint the picture for people. So uh, this week, Fran and I are going to be talking about the history of Freaknik. Um, as some people might know, if you are a social media person, there was an announcement that Hulu is supposed to be releasing a documentary with footage from Freaknik yeah. soon or at some point. And the joke was, oh, man, a lot of people's aunties are going to be upset when they, you know, the footage of this comes out because, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they didn't think this would ever see the light of day. Yeah. And um, there, is some pushback. I, there was some pushback. Yeah. People were like, we don't they don't we don't need to people don't need to see this. Because it was a crazy time. Now, Fran, um, first of all, before we went into this and before even that day, I don't know what day. It was like a couple of days on Twitter. But like before that time on Twitter, like a couple months ago, had you heard of Freaknik before? I've never heard of Freaknik before I started hitting the, the, the social webs. Um, never, ever. Never. Ever. Ever. Nothing. Nothing. I, don't ha- I didn't have any. My brothers didn't go to college. Um, right. And, they're, and your brothers even are kind of like young. They, they, uh, they was a little older than that. Could have. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't I didn't know anything about it, you know. Sure. So but I do remember some of like the music. Yes. And, you know, the way how certain music came about and these certain artists artists that that was out at the time. Um but I didn't know that it kind of stemmed from, you know, this huge event, event that went on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh let's get into it. You know, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so for people who don't know, we're going to we're going to just go through the kind of the inception, the growth, like the entire, you know, Freaknik, its origin story. Um, so it started out as a picnic in the spring of 1983. It was organized by students who were attending uh, the AUC. Now, for people who don't know what the AUC is, uh, the AUC is a consortium of four Atlanta based HBCUs, including Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse College, Morehouse School of Medicine and Spelman College. They all kind of form this uh, Shea Butter, Voltron, uh, you know, where they all have come together and formed the ultimate machine, like the most pro-black, black excellence, black academia, you know, uh, bourgeoisie, you know, young future leaders of America uh, coalition of young people. And it's this beautiful thing, like, you know, uh, these HBCUs coming together this way and being one individual school, but allowing all the schools to have this network to be able to connect with each other. Yeah. It was something like, I think it's something so cool about that. And so the AUC was actually home to like these state clubs, which were these organized groups for students who weren't from Georgia to link up, socialize and organize uh, ride shares back home during break. So if you were from, you know, California or if you were from Michigan all the Michigan kids would be go, go to the Michigan social club and then, you know, be able to meet other people who are from their same area. Yeah. And then when it's time to go home, you know, if, to save money, we can all take my car. I got a car. Right. You can ride with me. Yeah. And again, such a cool thing. Now, this particular spring break in 1983, members of the DC Metro club, uh, the students 
who didn't have resources to buy flights back home or go on a short vacation, organized a picnic at Piedmont Park for students who found themselves stuck on campus over spring break. So one thing I did not expect in my research was for the DMV to be so play such a major role right. in Freaknik. That, that really caught me by surprise. Um, for people who have lived and listened to us for a while, they know we're not from Maryland. We're from Baltimore. Yeah. And that's a complete. That's a complete. That's yeah. a completely different thing. If you're from here, you get it. If you're not, you don't. Yeah. But uh, DC and Baltimore kind of have this brothers sister kind of sibling Something rivalry like type of thing. It, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll always go. To, I love DC. I have a good time. Sure. But it, you know, I would never tell anybody from DC to their face that I like go go music. But I will admit here before we get into the you know the, the particulars of it and keep going forward. As I've gotten older a live band and some um, some lyrics to a song I'm familiar with hit a lot harder than Baltimore club music at my age. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's Baltimore club music is still nostalgic, but it's too much. It's too, yeah. It's I'm not 15. I think it's I'm not, fi- I'm not 15 anymore. Yeah. I would much hear, rather hear like go shawty. It's shit over some. It just, it's conducive to a drink being in my hand, yeah. a nice two, two step. step. Exactly. Yep. It, and I'm just having a good time. Yeah, I can't do all the crazy legs and the dropping back. I could and never the, do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it just was never for no. me. But I liked being, and I like repping where I'm from. For sure. So I would always yeah. go, no, uh, Baltimore Club makes over go-go music to yeah. a DCite. Yeah. A DCian or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. You know, it, I would always ride for Baltimore club music, but as I've gotten older, I will admit here on this microphone at 31 years old, go-go music is a lot more grown and sexy than Baltimore club yeah, music. Yeah, man. I agree. Um, yeah, so uh, the DC Metro Club is actually the club that founded Freaknik. Now, what it, what it didn't start as Freaknik, obviously. Um, what it was was this, this group, you know, tried to put something together because – Everybody has an idea of what spring break is at this point. Like you go to the beach or you go back home to see your family. Right. And some kids are like, I'm a college kid. I don't have money to go do exactly. that. Like I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. Like I don't have money. I don't even have a car. So I was like, okay, well, if you are in that boat, we got permission from the city to get some speakers up and put them in a park. And we put together a simple gathering. We got some coolers. We got some burnt hot dogs. We got some boom boxes. It's a real family reunion vibe. When I was when I was reading up on this and researching this, it really, the original first Freaknik really gave me... Backyard summertime cookout, like yeah. I can feel it. Yeah. A cooler full of a cooler full of huggy juices, but next to the huggy juices is like some wine coolers for the adults. Yeah, but they got the tin foil huggy t- juices, the barrel juices yeah. in there too. Yeah. There's music playing. There's cousins coming. Like I could see people playing dominoes, people playing cards. I could feel this experience, and I thought that was so dope because as I'll get into it, I think that. The greater society, and by great, I just mean like the overwhelming society of America, you know, the dominant society of like white people in general who kind of paint the picture of what a thing is. I think when you think of spring break, you think beach, you think MTV spring break, you think bikinis and stuff. And for me, when I think spring break or summertime, I think of like a chain link fence and a, 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 a pit barbecue and family members and spray spray painted T-shirts and a cooler full of juices and some music playing. Like, I don't think of the beach. That's not where my brain goes when I think of like spending time or or or, or, or some kind of event that's a, a picnic or a beach or I don't think of that. I think of like a park and some speakers and some grills and that's what I think of. Like so I could really feel this intention. And that might also be because the people that started are from they're our neighbors. Right. And and I think that with the feeling of now I do want to. I do want to say that I am upset. You know, 
Okay. I told my dad this. I said <laughs> we had a conversation about something a while ago. I went, man. Hey, man. Like I'm kind of upset that I didn't get it. Didn't get to enjoy the '90s. Like I wish I could have been sure. being of age and kind of remembering right the night. Like I, I we obviously I remember the night, but just like kids, we were kids. We were, we were kids, and I think the '90s. I, I, for me, I think that might have been like some people may say the '80s or whatever. Nineties might have been the decade, man. I think my nineties might have been the best decade. Well, what I think, I think the nineties lingers in our DNA more than the eighties, and not just because we were born in the nineties. I just mean the music, the right. artists are still right. around, yeah, yeah. like the 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 fashion, the the moguls that came out of the nineties still exist today. So, like the the DNA of the nineties still exists today, and all I remember is being too young to go outside. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. when we're, these cookouts we're talking about, I'm grabbing the huggy juice. My cousins are going out in the backyard and then somebody's stopping me from going out the, out the screen door yeah, too. Right. Right. I wasn't old enough to go do the fun stuff that people remember from the nineties. Right. I was there. I remember people being excited about Michael Jordan, yeah, yeah. but like in 1996, like re- really, I didn't really care. Exactly. But I mean like, you know, like as far as feeling like the, the barbecue and the, and the, you know, you outside with family and friends, this is, this is pre, 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 before social media and Facebook, yes. all of that. So it's just like uh, just a vibe, a vibe. You know, we talk, we seeing, we you know, we uh, being around family and appreciating, connecting, connecting, appreciating everybody's love, and then taking that all in because like, I'll because once we leave this, you know, you may get a phone call or something, but like, there's mm-hmm. no we hang out right now and then it's like, hey man, yeah. I'll just send you a message or I'll send you a TikTok. No, it's just, you might on. not see. I might not see you till the next time we do this. Exactly, man. And, and I think and all that under the banner of. 90s culture. Exactly. Tupac and Mac Morris, yeah. Mark Morrison, Return of the Max on the radio, John B. Like, it, it's just beepers and gold. Cha- it just was like, because like I'm sh- people would have cookouts in the 80s too. Right. But it's just something oh, about man. the overalls. The with music the, was changed. Know, the music was different. There's a huge jump from the 80s music to 90s music. Uh-huh. And I think it was just, like you said, it was a different vibe. It was hip hop. It was just... The it was it was just different, man. It's it's just yeah. different. Yeah. No, I'm mad at Roger too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hey, mad man. at my mom. Hey, I'm man. trying to get. Hey, man, can I get an earring? Can I get some some cornrows? No. No, no you can't. You get this, no, you, you get cannot. This one haircut. You <laughs> gonna get this bald fade. <laughs> and go get one of those huggy juices out of that yeah. cooler and go sit down in one of those chairs and be quiet. Yeah. I'm over here playing dominoes. <laughs> my mom was in the midst of it. Yeah, man. My mom was having a good old time. Oh, I'm like, man. oh. Can I hold your beeper? No. And go sit down over there and be quiet. That's what that's our experience of the 90s. Right. But but there was we know we knew that there was dope shit happening. Sure. That's the that's the envy. Like we feel like we missed out on something, but we were right there. Yeah, man. Just too We early. just could we just weren't allowed in the room. Yep. And you know, it is what it is. But like like we've already alluded to, for people who can't tell by the name, the DC Metro Club was made up from students that were going to Spelman and Morehouse who were from the DMV area. That's the 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 DC um, Virginia DMV DC Maryland Virginia area, um, and that's that the club was you know for those people to be able to congregate and get rides home or whatever. But they would also do social events, and this was one that they organized the very first Freaknik picnic, which means that the soundtrack of Freaknik originated and always was influenced by go go music. Yep. You know, so it always was live bands and drums and just a, a fun time. So I can imagine, like, the first Freaknik was probably such a fun time. Like, you don't have money to get home to your parents or go to the beach. 
and somebody was organizing this event at the park and you get there and there's fun music playing and food and black people and you don't have to put on airs. You can just be your young black self and talk about the latest music or, you know, whatever the thing is. Like everybody's on the same page. Yeah. So I'm sure the first Freaknik was very innocent and small and, and, and fun. Yeah, small, yeah. fun, and it's just like peaceful. A bunch of students. And everybody know, probably everybody know who each other is, where it's just like. Yeah, sing you around. Exactly. Just a cool yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's very much like a, a college party. Yep. And the, the name Freaknik was actually, this was, this was, I, this is, I found this funny and interesting about like how much thought we put into it with hindsight, where we think we go, well, they, they were freaking, so that's why they called it Freaknik. <laughs> but the name Freaknik was actually birthed by the, fra- by the phrase of the time, which was Freak. Mm-hmm. So there was the hit song, uh, Super Freak by Rick James, yep. and then there was the classic song, uh, Le, Le Freak by, uh, by Chic. Oh, freak out. Been a minute. Dun, dun, that song. So, uh, and then, of course, there was the dance of the 80s and, now, and the 90s and now and whatever. Freak dancing. Yeah. Right? So but this was, was really just. in the 80s? You know, the bump. A little grinding, but nothing too crazy. The bump, you do it, you know, a little bump hitting each other's hips and stuff. Right. But so freak was really, if it was, if it was now, it would be the rip me out the plastic picnic. The, uh, don't get, don't, the, uh, do Do not get me started. (laughs) No, but I'm, but I'm saying it it just, it just was birth of, from a popular phrase of the time. Like there was, is nothing more than that, you know, um, what's that sexy rap? My booty pink. Yeah. That pound it, town, it, it, it would have been the pound town picnic. Like if it was 2023, yeah. we'd have been we'd be talking about the pound town picnic. It just was birthed from the slang of the time. Because remember, which is catchy. That is kind of catchy. The pound town picnic. Yeah. Oh, but you the first annual pound town picnic is the it's is the like end. what what <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like one and done. Because that's like the that's like what freak what freak turned into like the year 11. Right. The first year of the pound town picnic is like year 11 of freaknik. It's like debauchery. Like, no, this is this cr- no stuff's happen. on fire. Like, no, this is crazy. The Pound Town picnic, the 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 inaugural Pound Town picnic, grand grand opening, grand closing. Is, but is, hey, is, it will be a memory. You will oh, it will be one for the ages. Oh man, it will be one for the ages. Oh, and then his phones. No, it would be no, it would be crazy. It would be absolutely insane. The Pound Town picnic could never happen. It would be, never. We could never allow this to happen. We cannot sanction this, and we are not the we're not birthing it right here on this podcast. I don't know, man. So did we just birth it? Think, Are we going to organize the Pound Town picnic? We might, man. No, we might have to put a pin in this. No, this is crazy. We might have to spark the Pound Town picnic. But so, yeah, but I just thought that was interesting because you got to keep in mind, like, these are young, black, hip kids. Yeah. Like, these are the people with their finger on the pulse. So when you think about it, in the 80s, what's the most popular phrase of the time is freak, all these songs with freak in it. These young kids know about these songs. It's going to be about the things they hear every day. Yeah. And so if you take that logic and you put it in any time, whatever the phrase of the time is, is what would have been this name. But because we know what it turned into, we think about the imagery that comes along with it. And we think like, oh, these people were just being nasty and freaky and, you know, wanted to be grinding on each other. But like, it really was just the phrase of the time. But it just happened to go coincide so beautifully (laughs) with what this thing turned into. It's like there wasn't a better, what this thing turned into, there wasn't a better name for it. The Piedmont Park Picnic plus Freak birth Freaknik. A suggestion by DC Metro Club member Rico Brown, a.k.a. Freako. 
I made that up also, by the way. That's not his, that's not a nickname that he has. I, I'm like, I don't remember. Yeah, that. like, that's perfect. I, like, I didn't see that in my notes. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I'm like well, I don't remember. I didn't come across that. <laughs> I, I didn't see that one. I'm yeah, like, I got, I got some, I don't remember. No, nah, I, got, I, got, I got some first-hand information. Oh, I, I called him up. Yeah, I called up Rico Brown. You got some intel. I, don't, I can't. I don't yeah, I'm, listen, we're going to get into the dark turn of this, but, like, I there is something in me that's excited to see people like our mom and dad's yeah, age man. sit at sit down in front of a camera and, and then the little Chiron comes up and it's like Rico Brown. He's like, yeah, man. So we just wanted to freak dance all night long. And so we thought of the ultimate party, but they're like an old man yeah. now, not old, but like a middle-aged dude. Was that like, well, like, okay. So 1983, 1983 was like 42 years ago. Okay. So if you were, if you were 18 and if you were 18 in 1983, you're like 60. Okay. So yeah, you're that's not middle age. Yeah. You're an older person. Yeah. You're not an old person. I don't want to get anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. No. But seeing like a silver goateed, bald headed Morehouse man be like, yeah, uh, I was at the first Freak Nick. Yeah. And they cut to some footage. They show they show a, a picture of him or like with like a gold chain on and a, a wife beater, just a young. Yeah. I just think it's. I just love black people, man. So it's like I'm ex, I'm ex, it's something about it to see the nostalgia of seeing like dudes that we hold in regard or look like distinguished gentlemen because Morehouse dudes are respected. Right. You know, men that, you know, uh, Martin Luther King went to Morehouse. Uh, dudes that you, you really respect went to these colleges and to see them be like, young, you know, older professionals, judges and lawyers and doctors and then they cut back to them and they're like, I just I had a be two beers in my hand yeah. and I, I was on spring break. You know, what's funny because like you saying that and then whenever I used to do something, when I used to be in my teenage years and I used to do some bad school, whatever, I remember mm-hmm. my dad used to always say this. And, like, I didn't pay it any mind until I got older. He used to go, you know I used to be your age, right? I used to be your age. <laughs> whatever you're doing or thinking, yeah. I used to do the same exact thing. And at the time, mm-hmm. i go, like, whatever. You don't know. Old. You could never make moves like yeah, this. Yeah, you don't know. Like, <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing out here in the streets. But he was like, I, was, I used to be your age, man. Like, I used to do mm-hmm. the same shit that you do now. Yeah. So, like, anything you're trying to get by me is it's not going to work. Because I know. I already know. I, know I already did it. To. I already, I already did, did it. it. That's funny. The phones are just a little newer, yeah. but I was making the same phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, man. It, it, things change, but they stay the same. Now, what I will say in my defense is when my mom says it to me, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> do you? <laughs> like, my, yeah. my mom, my, and then my mom sees me like drink a, a fifth of fucking uh, of gin and she's like. Slam the glass. On the table. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you don't drink. I'm like, all right, mom. Anyway, <laughs> drinking is the. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of fun times. Anyway, so uh, throughout the 80s, the lore of the spring shindig grew even louder as the years moved on. Move in, so um, Freaknik eventually moved the dates that it would be held from spring break to just before the finals. Yeah. Like the final exams. Right. Now, and my, my assumption is that they did this because kids who go to Morehouse and Spelman um, and Clark were probably like, well, kids who could afford to go away. Wanted to go. Wanted to go. Yeah. So it's like, well, stop doing it on spring break because I want to be able to go. Yeah. So they held it when everybody was there as opposed to at a time where people are leaving. Right. So I think they, and also it's like getting a little closer to the finals. You want to blow off a little steam before you got to take these serious tests or before you graduate. Like, I think it just felt like more of a letting off steam event where they placed it. Yeah. So now Freaknik would take place right before final exams. Um, and as the talk of Freaknik spread, it drew crowds of students from far beyond the AUC 
and a fair share of non-students as well. And keep in mind, friend, like we talked about, this is all Grapevine. Yeah. This is pre. This that's is, what I think this, this is, is so amazing. This is all just yeah. like, yo, did you hear yep. about yep. what's going on in Atlanta? Yep. It's around April, this date. Man, we got to go. Yeah. Like that's, and that, that hit th- thousands and of people. And that's how eventually. it turned into this national phenomenon where it's just like people, like you said, word of mouth, funk, and then like people are going like, oh, we need to go. Yeah. This is the. My friend, my friend said he saw X, Y, and yeah. Z. I got to go. Like, it was all that. (laughs) It was all that, which is, like, so unfathomable to me now. Like, everything now requires such promotion and flyers and, you know, virality and, you know, to to really blow up. You're not just going to get that from word of mouth. You know, it just just isn't how the world works today. But also, word of mouth, it leaves a little to be desired because you go, what? You can't see. Oh. And there's no... There's no Instagram. No. There's no freaknik Instagram. So everything is like, what is it? Look, I gotta see it. Exactly. I gotta get yeah. my eyes on it. Cause really, realistically, today, which I'll get into, I don't even want to give the example, but there's festivals that I'm gonna talk mm-hmm. about that you can go on when the festivals are happening. You can go on live streams. You can go on the Instagram for the uh, account of the festivals that exist today and look at pictures and videos, and it will feed that need to want to be there. Yes. The FOMO can be served enough to you go. Well, I had $800, but I didn't want to spend it on a ticket to this festival. And so I watched a couple of performances on my phone and like, I'm good. It looked fun, but like, I'm fine. And you can also make your decision if you want to go or not in that moment. Yes, exactly. So it's it's a lot it's a lot more uh, pre planning today. Flyers letting you know who's going to be there, uh, letting you know what events are going to happen. Like at this point in time, you don't know what could happen. So if you're all the way in California, you're like, what it? You any the possibilities are whatever your imagination exactly. can cook up. Yep. So yep. it's like I gotta go. Yep. I only got I only got four hundred dollars. I'm gonna wash some cars. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that eight hundred dollars so I can get the ticket to get to Atlanta. Exactly. I just gotta get there. I just gotta yeah. get there. That's what that's what people's that's only it. goal, which I which I'll get <laughs> yeah, into yeah. about what made Freaknik both so amazing, but also what eventually made it so terrible is that it existed without borders. You know, so we'll we'll get into that. So we'll put a pin in that. And we're gonna keep talking. So. Like I said, so now it's starting to grow. There's people coming from all across the country, starting to trickle in, and now we're starting to get the element of non-students. Like, now it's, it's not just the college students letting off steam. Now you're just getting kids that's like, oh, I'm not even, I dropped out of school. <laughs> I, just heard, I just heard it was fun as shit down here. <laughs> right. I'm just here to party. I'm here to freak. I'm here to freak. I'm going to get my freak on. <laughs> Where the freaks at? Like, you're like, oh, what, what school do you go to? None. <laughs> yeah, I don't go Lion. to any school. I'm 32. <laughs> Why are you here? Yes. Where the freaks? The freaks? <laughs> hey man, one thing about me is I'm where the freaks oh, at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like that's the it started the the the, yeah. the trickling ends of that. The early in, the early stages of that started to happen. So for several years, the party hopscotched from park to park on the west side of Atlanta. Spike Lee's 1988 film School Days referenced the festival, and on a November 30th, 1989 episode of A Different World, the characters Whitley and Freddie were desperate to make their way down to Atlanta to join in on the fun of the now famous picnic. Mm. So now you're talking about black culture is at a fever pitch. Yep. It's in a Spike Lee film, and uh, I, I mean, from what I hear, obviously I, was, I grew up watching reruns of it, but I think the di- A Different World came out as a hit. It was this show that never been seen before. It was young black kids wearing HBCU sweatshirts, yeah, and it was hip, and it was cool, yeah. and you got Dwayne Wayne wearing flip-up sunglasses. It was a very cultural show, and they're talking about it on A Different World. Were they in college? So this they is in college too, right? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, at a yeah. it was at a it was at a fake 
A Different World took place at a fake HBCU. Oh, is that HBCU? Okay, I know they was in college, but I didn't know it was HBCU. It was a fake one, but it was a it was a Hillman. I don't know. I don't remember, but it was a fake HBCU. Yeah. So it tied in perfectly because this is an HBCU festival, and now they're talking about we got to get down to Freaknik in a different world. So this is the equivalent of going viral. Yeah. You're being talked about in a Spike Lee movie, and you're being talked about on a hit show. This is, so now your profile of the Freaknik is, is now hitting new heights. And now it's reaching people worldwide, all across the country. It's starting to become more, more and more nationalized and not just the South. And that, right. And then it's tra- now you're tra- attracting, at, I mean, attracting uh, music artists and, and promoters. Music, famous people. Exactly. And, yes. So now it's starting to really grow. Yeah in a real way outside of the college atmosphere that it, that it was birthed in. So uh, as Freaknik be- continued to steadily grow in size and soon the local officials were in on it, they started to be concerned and they wanted to try to calm things down a bit. So they started to try to add in things like a career fair and concession stands, oh. community basketball games and, and an attempt to make things more family friendly. Where are the freaks? Yeah, wait a minute. Listen, <laughs> I don't care about somebody. Mean like so. Uh, some some the dean of Morehouse comes out and is like, ladies and gentlemen, at three thirty there will be the charity basketball game. Somebody's like, man, where the Shut freaks up. at? Hit it with a tomato. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Shut up. is it a is it a freaks football game? You're like, sir, that's not a thing. I'm a Morehouse man. There's no such thing as a freaks football game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it, it will be tonight at Magic City. Yeah. Man. <laughs> There's going to be a free skateball game tonight. Actually, as a matter of fact, we're having a free skateball game at 3.30 as well on the other side of town at Piedmont Park. Just bring you and your ass. Like that, you know, and, you know so, so they tried yeah. to, they tried to, I think that a lot of like the professionals and the locals could see that it was starting to get a little raunchy. So they tried to go, we want kids to be able to, we want parents to be able to like, you know how like, remember me and you, we used to take your grandmother to like the Caribbean Day yeah. parade. Yeah. I think they tried to make it like, listen, I know there's a thing happening, but we want families to be able to come out of their house and have their kids walk down the street and maybe get an ice cream or some kind of cultural stand, like a, just like be a part of it. Yeah, but I also think that people that had, you know, that were in charge of like the city councilman or whatever, I think, yeah. I think they, by this being in Atlanta, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's just, it's the legacy of, you know, you know, uh, the history of black people. I think it was. It was like it was okay. I think it was okay though. It was okay. Like, laws are not tearing shit up. Tearing shit up. It's it's fine. Let let the kids be kids. Right. Because like at this time when this was happening, it was like there was no other place. Somebody I can't remember the quote I got. There was no other place in America where it was this big huge gathering of black people mm-hmm. having having fun, having a ball. Yes. As long as like I said, as long as they're not tearing shit up, I think it it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. And we're we're definitely going to get into yeah. that more. So 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 because I, I want to talk about that okay. about because I want to continue to give this flowers, yeah. In in and it's on its way up, because right. on its way up and and in its birth, it it was a beautiful thing, yeah. you know. Like like you like you touched on just just now. We're going to go further into that for sure. But um, I'm going to go ahead and uh get back to where I we're like around the start of the '90s right now. So um. In an attempt to continue to try to clean things up, uh, school officials and AUC, uh, you know, chair members and committee members even tried to change the name of the festival to names like the Sweet Auburn Festival and Black College Weekend. But their efforts were all in vain. This was Freaknik. And nothing was changing about Freaknik. We weren't. I'm not traveling the East Coast 
you know, for the black for the college black, weekend. Black college. <laughs> I'm not even in college. <laughs> right. I'm 29 years old. I'm a garbage man. I'm here for, I'm the, here freaks. for the freaks. You know, so that, so, so I think that this, this is still, they were still idyllic at this point. It's the early nineties. Yeah. And they, I don't think they could see that the genie was out of the bottle. Like there was no, like the DC Metro club was no longer in charge of this, but it still kind of was mm. like in name, like freak Nick was still the AUC HBCU festival. But like now more and more people that are coming there are like, I don't even know what the fuck Morehouse is. No. I'm here for freak Nick. Yeah. I'm not in college. I don't care. But it was it was the inception. It was the early stages of this. It, it, I don't think they can see the writing on the wall. Right. So they're still like, well, we're still Morehouse and Spellman and Clark. So we're still in charge of this. So we're going to try to change it to this. But then it didn't stick because the scales are starting to tip. Like most people right. that are coming to this don't go to your school. Right. And it's not. So who get, And you call it a festival is it, that's not the right term to use because it just it wasn't set up. It wasn't. Like it a wasn't a festival. <laughs> wasn't a festival. It, it's like like I, I've never been to you know like um Myrtle Beach mm-hmm. and Ocean City. These places they have like a uh, bike week, okay, or car right. week and stuff like that. It's like that's not a fe- like they're just coming to Myrtle Beach. Right. There, there's it's no like gathering. Yeah, yeah. Everybody come to this one place. Like no, we're just here. We're all we all just took our bikes and we all came yeah. here, and we choose to not fuck it up or do fuck. It's up to us because yeah. we're. I'm just here. I'm, I didn't. There's no tickets. No. I just came to Myrtle Beach. These people just came to Atlanta. There's no, this, a festival is like making an illusion that this had more control than it did. There was no, there's no walls. There's no place. No. They're not coming it's, to Freaknik. Right. Freaknik is Atlanta. Yeah, no, Atlanta is Freaknik. It's, like, it's not like this. No. It's, this boarded area. Like, no, it's not. No. Atlanta. It's, it's Atlanta. No yeah. There's no capacity. <laughs> yeah. There's no like, oh, we sold all the tickets. Like, no, it's Atlanta. You can't sell tickets to Atlanta. I, I can get it. Well, I can get a plane ticket. Yeah. You gonna you gonna stop selling plane tickets to Atlanta? That's the only way you are gonna stop me from coming to Freaknik because I'm here for the freaks. the freaks. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are very enthusiastic people, and we'll get into how that enthusiasm turns dangerous very easily. And I'd like to have a conversation about that because we're making our jokes and everything about these hypothetical late twenties and th- early thirties dudes who are enthusiastic to see freaks, but that kind of energy can turn scary. Probably for a lot of people, it's scary as soon as they land. You know, I like to think that a lot of people are just. You know, it's freak Nick. I want to have a good time, but a good time for you could be a scary time for somebody else. From Rip, it's not like it just takes alcohol. Like you might be like, I'm just here to grab asses and whatever, and that's scary. Yeah. That's your that's your baseline. That's not oh, I get th- I, I got there after I got a little too crazy. Like no no, I came here off the plane with my camera, ready to grab asses. The first asses I see, Absolutely. that's a dangerous person. Yeah. You know, that's not like oh, it got out of hand. Like no, I came here to do this. Yeah. I came here to assault women. But in the 90s, it's like, no, that's fun. Yeah. So I'm just being a fun. I'm Where are the freaks at? The, like the name, that person. The name of the picnic is, oh, it, it kind of gives off this idea with, especially for, for, for men, men. It's like, oh, it's men, called. The men are the problem yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, it's, like, called, <laughs> it's, called, it's called, it's like, oh, well, that means we'll get into it. I'm not, I don't want to get too far, but we'll get yeah, into it. Yeah, let's not jump yeah. the shark. Let's not jump the shark. But I, I, can, I can tell you got a lot to say, and I got a lot to say too, because this shit, it, we're not, we're, we're just scratching the surface yeah. of this getting crazy, right? So, like I said, you know, the, the school still tried to show some control by trying to change the name and stuff. Nothing would stick. And by 1992, the humble, the humble picnic had turned into a full-on street party. Like, without any inhibitions, boasting tens of thousands of attendees, overrunning almost every part of the city, and crowding out residents and workers who made their living there. So, it, it was like you couldn't function in this town. There was gridlock traffic. You know, there, it was just overrun with, with tourism. And... Th- and not until 1992 was when Freaknik really peaked 
and the legend of Freaknik was born. Yeah. Like people were really like, oh, this is the this is starting to become the place to be. Yeah. Like that 92, 94, I think that that window where it was like it really it was like it, that's the, it was like it, it maxed yes. out. Yeah. Up until up until that point, it was like, oh, people come here and they they go to the Waffle House and they stimulate the economy. There was still like positivity to be seen right. in it. But then 1992 is when it was it was uh the traffic was affected yeah. hotels and hotels are booked. Yeah, it yeah. just was like, oh, this is starting to get out of hand. But people still saw the positivity. And if you're a hotel owner, you go, we're booked. Right. A little traffic, but we're booked. Money. Money, Money talks. In. So 92, it was the 92, the, the sentiment was, hey, man, this is good for the economy. I've never sold so many chicken and waffle plates in my life. There's a lot of young kids. They're hungry. They're drinking. They're, they're you know, they're, they're coming with cash in hand and they're stimulating the economy here. So you can still, you could overlook the negative yeah. stuff. So you bring all these people here, stuff, stuff gets messy, but you go, hey, all the hotels are booked. Um, you know, people are coming and stimulating the restaurants and we can still see the positive yeah. in it. And that was 1992. Still, they're, they're still seeing like, this is great though. As popularity continued to grow, so did the revenue stream. By 1994, the festival was adding as much as $20 million to the city's economy. Mm. And the but yeah, but you gotta think about it. The way Freaknik was set up, it made it sort of a wild, wild west gold mine type of situation because it was a festival without borders. So me, if I'm a party promoter and I can get a club and call this the Freaknik Pajama Jammy Jam <laughs> and charge twenty dollars a ticket to, at the door, I'm making money. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily go to Morehouse no. or AUC. It's now I'm just I'm coming in and I'm getting I'm trying to tap the faucet. If I come down there and I got Freaknik t-shirts and everybody buys my Freaknik t-shirts. I'm just, I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. And that's what I, I printed up some shirts and I came down to make some yeah, money. And that's why. And like when these big names started to hear about this picnic, like the producers and they started like, well, let's they shows. And now everybody's yes. like, Oh, this is, it's a, now this it's is money. Where, it's, this is where everybody where, is. This is where the money is at. Mm -hmm. it ain't just about the freaks anymore. It's like, no, this is where the freaks, the freaks, yeah, yeah but the money is freaks. Here. Have, hey, man, freak, freaks have money too. <laughs> and if they don't, it's a bunch of dudes behind them that's willing to pay to go wherever the freak exactly. is. So what, what does this, this isn't birth it, but what, what does this also come with? Ladies getting free before eight yeah, man. and fellas is $50 for y'all to come in, uh, after eight o'clock. Ain't that crazy? So now you that's, get all the girls in. Think about that. That's yeah. Crazy. You get all the girls in and the dudes are going to go wherever the girls exactly. are Exactly. Yep. and they'll pay top dollar. But what happens when you leave college students to their own devices and combine parties, drinking, word of mouth hype, a local government turning a blind eye, and unfettered desire to freak? Trouble, of course. And that's what we're going to get into in part two.